Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio. Your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Right now, Congress is working on a bill called the American Clean Energy and Security Act of 2009. It contains several provisions that address how this nation will produce energy in the future, as well as the controversial issue of climate change. People who are watching the bill have two primary questions. Will it help to address our energy and environmental dilemma? And how much will it cost? We've got two individuals from the Heritage Foundation who are on the line with us today to talk about the bill and its economic impact. They are Nicholas Loris, research assistant, and Ben Lieberman, who is Heritage's senior policy analyst in energy and the environment. Welcome, Nick and Ben. Well, thank you. Thank you. Glad you could join us today. Uh, ben, let me direct this first question to you. Um, now, together, you and Nick have put together a memo summarizing the main provisions in this bill, but let's take them one by one. First of all, this renewable electricity standard that would require that 6% of electricity come from renewable energy, such as wind and solar, by 2012. What do you think about this provision? Well, it worries me quite a bit because um, wind energy particularly, solar, solar energy as well, has been heavily subsidized by the government for decades now. And yet that's still not enough for it to capture more than uh, 1.2, 1 1.3% of the overall market. I think the market is telling us something there. It's telling us that there's some real problems with wind and solar that aren't going to be fixed by simply mandated, uh, mandating it. And those problems are that it's very much more expensive and that it's unreliable. The wind doesn't always blow. The sun doesn't always shine. And that's a very big problem for something like electricity that's needed 24-7. Let's talk about yet another provision. This is the one that would set new energy efficiency standards for buildings and appliances. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? I think we're all in agreement that everyone wants more efficient and cost-effective product, but when the government sets standards, there's usually costs associated with these standards. They generally raise the costs, um, and a lot of these mandatory improvements um, affect the, the productivity and efficiency of the standards. We saw that with the, the new flush toilets and Generally, these new products use more energy than the government often thinks they will. And this decrease in product performance often negates anything the government intends to do in the first place. Well, let's also talk about climate change as part of this uh, discussion we're having today. Now, you know this bill also proposes to address climate change by reducing atmospheric carbon dioxide. What do you think about that provision, and how would this work? Well, carbon dioxide is the unavoidable byproduct of fossil fuel combustion. And by fossil fuels, I'm talking about the coal, oil, and natural gas that provides 85% of America's energy. Maybe over the long term, there'll be ways to use this energy without carbon dioxide emissions. But right now, the only way to comply with any kind of reductions would be to use less energy. That's why this provision is really little more than an energy tax. It would drive up the cost of energy so that businesses and individuals are forced to use less 
aspects of it. So it's a massive energy tax that would have very significant consequences for homeowners and for businesses. And, of course, what they're proposing in this bill is a cap-and-trade provision. Do you have any idea perhaps what the impact, the cost impact, could be on the average household, the average family in America? Well, the Congressional Budget Office came out with estimates of about $1,600 per household per year in higher energy costs. And that's fairly soon uh, under this provision. Probably within 10 years, we would reach levels where the cost would be that high. Another thing to point out is the job losses. Uh, high energy costs not only affect households, they also affect manufacturing uh, sectors, especially those that are energy intensive. So we're talking about significant job losses. Past Heritage Foundation estimates of global warming bills estimated manufacturing job losses well into the millions. Even though um, that there's some kind of a proposal included in the bill that would return some of the cap-and-trade money to the economy, I mean, wouldn't that help? Well, we would be getting back just some fraction of the dollar we paid in the first place in the form of higher energy costs. So it's at best a zero-sum game, probably worse than a zero-sum game. And also keep in mind that higher energy costs suppress economic activity, so there would be those losses independent of anything that could be returned to consumers. Ben, your comments are flying in the face of a news release that was issued by Representative Ed Markey of Massachusetts, who's one of the primary sponsors of the bill. His news release stated just last week that this bill will generate millions of jobs, save billions with a B of dollars, and promote the investment of trillions of dollars in energy. How can your assessment be so different than what Representative Markey has said? Well, I just would point out that uh, our analysis shows net job losses uh, beyond the, uh, the green jobs, which have been overhyped. But I'll, I'll hand this one over to Nick, who's looking at this in a little more detail. I think there's no question that jobs will be created. Um, if you look at it, there, there has to be people to build windmills and solar panels and everything else that the government is mandating. But at the same time, there's going to be slower economic growth and higher unemployment. And as Ben mentioned, our analysis of the Lieberman-Warner cap-and-trade bill mentioned that jobs destroyed between 400,000 and 800,000 jobs per year. And that's net of any green jobs uh, that would be created. So I think that's important to keep in mind that, you know, you can't just look at the benefits without acknowledging the costs. Well, speaking of costs, the administration's 2010 budget seemed to set the stage for this cap-and-trade bill. And it also calls for millions of dollars in new taxes on the oil and natural gas industry, apparently to help pay for some of these energy and environmental initiatives. What do you both think about those taxes? Perhaps, Ben, you've got some thoughts? Well, the budget, the stimulus package, other things all seem to be headed towards this, this point of view that uh, existing energy sources, the tried and true ones that we know we can rely on, are essentially an ATM machine that can be used to subsidize alternatives that we can't know ahead of time that we can rely on. So we're really... Um, we're really punishing those energy sources we know work in order to subsidize those that we can't be certain about. So I think this is a very, very um, risky way to try to change the energy mix. I think the reality is that with alternatives, we have to be realistic, and especially realistic about the time frames it's going to take for truly viable alternatives, economically and technologically viable alternatives to come along. This is a multi-decade process, so we can't be shutting the door on coal, oil, natural gas, the things that we're relying on now, we have to continue using them, making good use of them until such future time as alternatives are ready to change the energy mix. Well, at this time, the American Clean Energy and Security Act is still being written, and it hasn't been taken up by either congressional body yet. Um, and before that happens, how would you summarize your thoughts on this bill or 
even more broadly, how would you summarize your thoughts on the change that we seem to be observing here in Washington when it comes to energy and environmental policy? I think the best way to sum it up is a lot of economic pain for very little, if any, environmental gain. Uh, like I said, c congressional policymakers are assuming that this is going to make an environmental in impact, but even the EPA in a study last year acknowledged that uh, even with dramatic carbon reductions, it would only change global temperatures by a fraction of a degree. So we're incurring all these costs for very negligible benefits. Well, I would just add uh, that uh, Nick is right. I think we always get into trouble when our energy policy morphs into a really an anti-energy environmental policy, one that raises energy costs uh, on the American people, then uh, reduces them and uh, lowers domestic supplies of energy sources we can rely on rather than increasing them. And I think that's unfortunately the direction we seem to be headed in. That'll have to be the last word. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Nick Loris and Ben Lieberman, we're so grateful for you joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.